Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Rodeo Time, the podcast. We've got a very special episode today. We got our man uh, Reese Howden. He is an Olympian. We're going to hear his story. We're going to talk about uh, riding bulls, punching fools, and hitting the the the, the slopes of an Olympic athlete. Um, all the way from Canada, a eh? a lot of you guys ask, hey, can we come from out of country? Absolutely. I mean, we've got interns from all over. Uh, right now, you are. We've got ten interns, double digits. Um, Canada, Maryland, Nebraska, Missouri, Missouri, Tennessee, North Carolina, California, uh, Georgia, and Nebraska. Montana. Montana. Ten of y'all, and none of them are from Texas. So, people come from all over. I think you're the first international intern we've had. Sweet. How's that feel? Feels great. Did you were you like <laughs> were you blown away that you got selected or were you just not surprised? I was I was you know I, I was super stoked. Um I don't know, like I like I was talking with uh Willie when when we were talking about getting selected and stuff and he's like and he put in his video, he's like, Yeah man, I just just had a good feeling. Had a yeah. good feeling, right? You did. I did too, and so did Willie. That's what he yeah. was saying. And I just, yeah, I had a good feeling, and got back to me, and um, yeah, worked out. Well, as Willie would say, you passed the vibe check. You did, you know, and did. Uh, not all the guys passed the vibe check. To send in you videos. don't have to be an Olympian to get nah. on the roster here. Nah. You know, like it's Willie was a chicken farmer. No, <laughs> no offense, Willie. Not an Olympian. <laughs> pretty far from it. <laughs> he was literally holding a chicken in his video. I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. You were wearing coveralls. Hey, where, it's my uniform. But but you did that one, then you did a serious one, right? I did a serious one in the chicken barn. My funny one was like just snap stories that I had from my friends and put it put a little montage. Who watched it that got that was that that would have been Donnie, huh? That watched the montage one? Well, that watched any of them and I then showed so, them to yeah. me. I think it would have been Donnie running Rodeo mm -hmm. Time at the time. But I replied to your main account. for the You were like, we need someone to edit. And then I sent you the one. I just like sat. Oh, so I'm responsible yeah. for bringing you in here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. You look really good today with that hat and the shirt. Appreciate, Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. 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 We're going to talk about that in a second. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the intern program, it's really, it, it comes down to the video. So, did, so I guess you were on the text. Yeah, I was on, yeah, I was on I was on the text deal. And like I was just actually I was I think I was talking with one of these guys, but I was like breaking it down like like I was thinking like what do you think the numbers are on the people that get on the text line, watch that video, and the numbers that actually send in that video. Like actually send the video yeah. into the account. It's gotta so, be I'll say probably about fifteen percent of the people that I send out the video to watch it. So I send the video to a large group of people that have texted me the number. Just real quick, text the word intern to this phone number. I'm going to give you a phone number. Text the word intern, I-N-T-E-R-N, to 940-353-0890. You text the word intern, and I'm not going to necessarily send it right away, but when we need an intern, I'll send you the info on it. What I normally do is I make an unlisted YouTube video, and... I'll send out info on what the opportunity is. In Willie's case, we needed someone to edit. Um, in Gabe's case, we needed someone to work on the warehouse floor. And then 
we decided we've got an open bunkhouse. We don't necessarily need a lot of extra help right now. So we decided to do some short-term internships. And so I sent out a text and I made an unlisted YouTube video. Um, and what Reese, he's bringing up a really good point. Um, to I know how many people I sent it to, and then it shows me how many views the unlisted video has. And about 15% of the people that I send the video out actually watch it. And then an even smaller percentage actually send in videos. I would say maybe 5% of those 15%. Um, so while there are a lot of people interested, you know, if you can shine in your video, then you got, you, you, you've got a decent chance of making the top 10. Then Willie will bring me the top five or 10. And then occasionally he'll just have one standout where he's just like, Hey, you got to look at this guy. And that's kind of how this was, you know, you and I, I'd sent out the deal and we hadn't really talked about it for three or four days. I was kind of letting everybody get a chance to send in videos. And then you were like, Hey, we got to check out this Reese guy. So, but anyway, I interrupted you. Y'all were talking, you were talking about how many people actually do it. Well, you gave me the numbers there for the most part, but yeah, like, it's like, it's not like those, it's not like those, you know, guys that didn't send in stuff didn't want to go or girls um you just got to do it right yeah you know if there's like after meeting all you guys here and stuff like there is don't worry don't worry about looking like an idiot on your video just just you know be truthful and yeah because say there's a bunch say. of idiots here yeah <laughs> you'll Thanks, fit Reese. right in <laughs> you'll fit right in yeah dude dude don't worry don't worry you're yeah. not gonna be the dumbest guy here <laughs> wait till you meet this dale frisbee guy <laughs> but, um yeah you know if you want to come you just yeah like yeah if if you want to come you just gotta just do it yeah and, and the other thing that's really big and this is probably why we get such a small percentage is is timing in someone's life you know, when they send that text, they might be ready to be an intern right then. Well, we may not need an intern for six more months. Well, then maybe they've got a new job. They've got a new girlfriend. Maybe they're having to help mom and dad pay bills or whatever. Like something, just the timing of their life didn't line up right. For you, for instance, like it's summertime. You're not doing a lot of skiing right now. You know, it's a short-term internship, you know, and so this, this, it was the synergy was there for both of us. And so the timing was right. Yeah. Um, and so that's big is being ready. Who was it? Where did you have to apply a couple of times? Yeah, I signed from January to March. I sent in probably four videos. Yeah. Videos. So you were kind of persistent, and then we finally needed one. Gabe. Gabe sent in videos for a year. Dang. I, th I want to say he sent in either three or four different videos, and was persistent. And each video, you could tell, I mean, like, he's still just as interested as he was the first time. He hadn't taken it personal that he didn't get it the first time. And then finally, you know, kind of came along. And so um, it's funny, I'll get all these questions on how to get started ranching. And, like, man, just look at the intern program. If you are as persistent with your local ranch about working for them for free as some of these interns are that came to work here, then it'll be a breeze for you to get a job, you know? And I'm not saying people, there's a difference in being like, like spamming. Yeah. And just being persistent because your local rancher, he's busy, you know? And so like you might hit him on a Monday afternoon when he just doesn't, he needs so much help. He doesn't have time to think about needing help. Yeah. 
And so, whereas if you hit him at the right time on a Tuesday evening where he's caught up and he can think about it and you, you break down like, Hey, I'm willing to work for you for free and do the jobs that are not fun for free in exchange for this knowledge on the industry. Well, then all of a sudden he's gonna be like, sounds like a pretty good deal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sounds like a pretty good deal. Yeah. Um, because for him, that knowledge is people like to help, you know, a humble, hardworking individual who's eager to learn, you know, you'll find on any ranch. Like I was at, when I was, I was at a ranch recently and some guys from a major packing plant came in and, um, we were flanking calves and I, I just helped them. And they were like, man, we were so surprised at how kind everyone was, even though we knew nothing. And I was like, yeah, you guys were just, y'all were just kind, humble dudes. You, just because you've never flanked a calf, that doesn't mean, and like all these cowboys, of course they're willing to help you. You know what I mean? Like they're not, when you get met with resistance, it's either going to be that person is just maybe a unique individual who's not fun to be around, or maybe you are acting like you wrote the book. Nobody wants to help somebody like that. No. You know, like don't act like, you don't have anything to prove, you know, and the moment you let that guard down, the moment that's when you really start to learn anyway. So why not just let it down, be vulnerable, be okay with saying the words, I don't know. And then you can learn from there. Man, this intro, we are getting into it already. Yeah, we this are. Is this is intro. another podcast. That's yeah. a whole other podcast. We yeah. do that sometimes. We'll, we'll go on and on in the intro. But um, we do the intro at the end of the podcast just so I can tell you what you're in for. And what you're in for is an Olympian's story and some of the similarities between being an Olympic athlete and being a rodeo cowboy. And then uh, we get to hear some life advice from Willie. Yep. It's always the most epic. Um, check out, we, we don't do a lot of ads on the podcast. Sometimes I'll plug a sponsor, but we don't do a lot of mid roll. Very rarely, actually, maybe two podcasts out of a hundred. Have we done like mid roll? I don't think I've ever heard any from like, I think one or two times I've recorded a thing, mm -hmm. but so if you don't mind, I'm just going to share with you. We've got a ton of new styles coming out on dalebrisby.com. I'm wearing a new cap, a new shirt. They're not available yet, but they're coming soon to dalebrisby.com at least a dozen new caps over the next few months, at least a dozen new shirts over the next few months. So check that out. Please text 940-353-0890, and we will keep you in the know on, on all things Daleware, on all things intern. We'll even update you on when the podcasts are coming out. But, uh, but yeah, Daleware is what makes this machine go round. It's what allows us the opportunity to bring in interns and hire people um, we've got a great crew here at the dale warehouse the other thing that helps it go around are our four major sponsors really five of them uh, we've got can-am side by sides just got a new commander in um, and uh, total feeds powering boone he's a 22 year old bronc thanks to total feeds american hat it's uh, it's the one you want to you know hawk down and and put that little crinkle in your ear. You you ever pull it down that far, Willie, where it bends your ear a little bit? Mm -hmm. That's when it's about to get western. And last but not least, uh, rock and roll denim reflex. That way, when you're going ninety, you can really get that leg up. 
fifth uh, uh, Excalibur containers. That's what the interns stay in. It's what you're staying in. Yeah, That's a cozy spot, isn't it? Oh, they're great. They're super nice. Does it uh, get cool enough at night? It's been perfect, yeah. Good. It's I've crazy seen. how hot it gets here, but that little bitty container, can. it's like a little icebox. Oh, it's perfect, yeah. No, I'm really liking it. It's good. Yeah, you, being from Canada, you're not used to this heat. It's it's been tough, but you haven't complained about it though. No, you know I'm not afraid to sweat. Cole came down from Montana and he complains a lot <laughs> about the heat. He's just kind of looking over this creepy mustache. I'm cutting it off. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're cutting off the mustache. He edits the podcast, so I thought he was going to say he's going to cut off. He's going to edit out the part where I make fun of him. <laughs> he could do both. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for enjoying this this uh, extended intro. That's a, that's a bonus clip for you guys. You don't. That's not going to cost you extra. Uh, free content for all for the family. And now on to the podcast. There it is, Willie. Oh yeah, I love this intro music. It makes me so happy. Pretty good. Yeah, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, Rodeo Time Podcast. We are in the Dale Warehouse. I got Willie Wardle, Willie Wardle on the the, the sound mixing board. You give us a sound effect since you're running the mixing board. Come on. <laughs> um, Donnie had to go home and get his license renewed or something like that. We've also got with us Mr. Reese Howden. I've remembered his last name ever since he told me the first time. I didn't have to ask him twice. He is our newest intern. And uh, we're doing a little, a few short-term interns this summer. And we, we took him on a tour of the ranch this morning. He got to ride Boone. Uh, took him on the Can-Am. We went about 70 miles down Tack Road wearing our helmets. Safety first, rule number seven. And um, he's down here in Texas for the first time sweating his buns off. Yes, sir. You don't normally sweat this much. That's because you're from where? Well, I grew up in Canada, um, Chilliwack, B.C., near Vancouver. But, yeah, no. Uh, I have not been in temperature like this and humidity like this ever in my life. But, you know, e I'm getting used to it. Even right now, it's kind of warm in here. Even right now, I'm, I'm sitting here just got a, like, casual sweat going. Yes, right. so we're in the podcast room, the media room, and off in the corner where the podcast stuff is set up, like the AC has a hard time re reaching back here. But we can't really complain too loudly because out on the warehouse floor where everyone else is, they have no AC. Oh, yeah. So if we complain, they uh, they kind of roll their eyes. Um, so you're from Canada. That means you probably do a lot of snow sports. Yes, sir. And you've actually done fairly well at skiing or snowboarding. Skiing, so I'm a member of the Canadian Ski Cross team. and uh, Which means you went to the what? I went to the Olympics this nice. year in uh, in Beijing. Wow. Yeah. That's not like uh, that's not like your local county fair chicken roping. <laughs> like that's like they play the music. They got like a they got their own special ringtone for that one. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. They're thirty two men and women. Uh Best in the world in ski cross and yeah, we brought uh, four men and four four women from Canada and yeah, it was a 
amazing event. So you said ski cross? Yeah, ski cross. So what does that mean? So we got four guys in a start gate, and it's a downhill race. So it's similar to if you're familiar with alpine racing, so like downhill and super G. But um, yeah, so you got four guys. You ha- you start at the top of the mountain, and then you have gate drops. There's a start section, berm, jumps, and all that sort of thing. It's very similar to like motocross, BMX racing. And uh, yeah, it's all heat, like a... Um, Heat racing, so we'll do like semifinals and then move into big finals and stuff like that. And top, and then so you have four guys, top two move on to the next heat, and uh, yeah, first one to the bottom wins. Dang! So you you each all four of you race from top to bottom, yeah, of the mountain. Yes, gotcha. On the same track. How many is it all at the same time, or you just time each person is timed? So there's two ways. So like um, because we'll have like a big field to start with, so we'll have like I don't know seventy guys. And we, then we do a time trial, and that time trial breaks us down to 32. And uh-huh. we take that group of 32 and we move into heats. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so you went to Beijing this year. What was that like? Yeah, it was wild. You know, um, you know, the restrictions were not as strict as I was expecting. Um, there was, like, a mask ma- mandate for sure, um, and we were testing daily, but... We were still able to like, um, you know, check out some stuff. They had some events that we could do um, around the Olympic Village and whatnot. And then, um, you know, I got to meet like the whole Canadian national team and stuff like that. It was a little bit tough to like expand out of your country. Um, but other than that, you know, it was, it, it was, I was happy that they got it off because it was pretty gnarly. And, um, but yeah, China, it was wild place, man. Wild. Did it, I mean, going and being around China, can you just like feel the communism or is it, I guess they, do they kind of hide it, I guess, in the touristy type towns? Oh, they kind of hide it, but like you can, you know, this, you know, this place is different. You know, this place is very different from what you're used to. Yeah. I mean, people around there, they just, did they feel like, I would assume someone in that country might be just a little more timid than your everyday American. So it's a very top-down hierarchy. So like um, people who are like on the lower end, basically you can ask them questions and stuff and they can give you like nothing because they can't make any sort of decisions without going all the way up to the top, right? So it's that's pretty wild the way that... Because we had like um, the Canadian team like came in there first, right? And yeah. checked it all out. Like 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 the staff, and um, yeah, like they had they had like a, I guess you call it like a tour guide, basically was push showing them around the Olympic Village and stuff like that, and um, yeah, like they couldn't, like they were asking them, hey, could we go here and stuff, and they're like, oh no no, you know we're not too sure. And then they had this one person that was like, yeah, I know somebody, I'm like let me make a call, I made that call, and obviously she knew someone who was way yeah. up top, and uh, yeah, it just like. It was interesting because, like, if you don't have someone who has, like, a lot of power, you just you can't make decisions, it seems like. You can, right. Like, these are the restrictions, and these are what they told that they can do with you and what you can do, stuff like that. And they're like, that's it. Yeah. You know, they're not making any changes. Huh. Dang. But, uh, and then also, like, they were all wearing, like, full-on, like, throwaway suits that they were throwing away every day. 
goggles, masks, and like like a suit that had like a hood all the way up to their head. Wow. And then it was just like wearing, you know, uh, like scientist goggles, I guess, and a mask. I think they had like double up too. Okay. Like just the everyday civilians. Every were. day. Or no, not, not, not the civilians, but like every single volunteer. How much did wow. you interact with like the actual civilian population or was, did you only interact with Nothing. Olympic, just Olympic staff? Yeah, that Dang. was it. So you didn't see like a single civilian at well, all? Well, I think uh, well, we could kind of see them when we were driving in. Okay, like, yeah. Like, yeah. okay, this was the wild part. So when we first got there, um, landed off the plane, went into like their um, testing facility and stuff like that. So you're like, go to a station, they test you or they do like an ID check, that sort of, yeah. sort of thing. Get you to where your bags are. We load all the bags up into the bus and sit on sit in the bus for two hours just outside the airport move a little bit another hour then they have it all ever finally they get all the buses loaded and we like presidential convoy to the olympic village four hours we had there was a police um like stopping traffic at every single exit on the highway every single exit for i think it was like Probably 150 to 180 miles. Why? I, that's just, I guess, the what they felt they needed to do. But yeah, they had like stop traffic air everywhere. Look, and we had, you mean like you mean like police were like paving the way for y'all to get there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so we did, had like an escort at the front, escort at at the back, and then every exit they had dang. a police there. Was it because there. they were excited about you guys being there, or they didn't want you going off course? I think I don't think it was for our safety. It was for our can like control of where we are at the all, all the whole time. Because I don't think they're worried about the civil like civilian population coming after us or anything like that. I think they just wanted to have complete control of our ability to go anywhere and stuff like that. Because like like it was like you're going from the airport to the to the hotel and you are not stopping. Like dang, not stop. That's that's scary. But uh, yeah, so it was pretty wild. Everyone participating in the Olympics was in that convoy. Um, no, that's not that one. So like that was like when we went the first time um, mm-hmm. for the test race before the Olympics. And then with the Olympics, it was similar to that, but they kind it was a little bit more casual. Okay. So yeah. um, because then they had a bunch of eyes on them. Yeah. They probably didn't want it to be so obvious yeah. that they were. Yeah. So like during the Olympics, I don't think they had like the exits locked off but we had like two two cop cars in the in the front two cop cars in the back and um yeah just cruising in the, in the left lane all the way yeah Dang. i don't know why some people don't want that for our country <laughs> mm. i don't know just sounds sounds fun so wonderful um anyway anyway uh enough enough about where you went to the olympics let's let's just talk about the fact that you went to the olympics how'd y'all do uh i did like i i I did all right i guess i got ninth but you know i I went in with high expectations you know um the year before i had a lot of success um like probably was going in theoretically like the favorite and you know i was feeling really good going into the race like um had a really good qualification run um i think i placed third or fourth something like that yeah and then um but the big thing was i had like an absolute ripper of a start like i was um 
a tenth. So so we wear um, little tra- transponders on our boots, uh-huh. and so we have um, segments throughout the course. The transponder will give us those section times, right? And we have that during training, quality race, everything. And uh, so we can look at those times and compare them to the rest of the athletes, right? So I was a tenth ahead of the guy in second every time on the start section. And it, in, in ski racing, a tenth is a lot. Right. I and imagine. so, and I was, so I was like, you know, I got this super stoked. I was coming out there so fast, but I don't know what happened on race day. I just, um, it was almost like I was going into this one feature a little bit too fast and I was just missing something and it was, yeah, it got caught, got caught in some traffic. So I didn't get out in, in front and then was coming into the last turn there and, uh, the guy in first caught like we call like a snow snake, basically like the ski, the ski um, just like caught the snow weird and kind of spun him a bit, and then he went off track. Then I kind of stayed in track and was going to the inside, and then he just like curved back in and cut me off, so I lost some speed. And then I'm like pumping really hard to try and get because it was on the finish straight, and then uh, actually my teammate Brady Lehman passed me and. And knocked me out in the uh, the quarterfinal, but <laughs> dang, it happens. It happens, man. You know, it's like the Olympics is a big deal for us, but um, you know, uh, it's at the end of the day, like it's just like every other, like it's just it's just like every other race. You know, it's um, and, it, and it, like anything can happen, and, right? And uh, you know, the best guys in the world are there. So yeah, some days it's your day, some days it's not. Yeah, huh? Um. So what is it that made you want to come intern for Dale Brisby? Well, I've been, you know, watching you guys for a while and looked like a lot of fun. And um, I've always been super interested in ranching and rodeo stuff. Um, never really got, um, at least like you could say, like I wasn't born into it. Um, uh-huh. But uh, born into a family of super active individuals, stuff like that. Um, mountain climbers and uh, and whatnot. And so... Yeah, I don't know. My brothers and me just kind of got super stoked on Western when we were kids and stuff. And uh, yeah, moved to Calgary in like 2018 or 2017 um, for training for the ski cross team and was going to school there. So obviously the Alberta influence is pretty big in the Western side. And I always loved it. It just seemed to kind of attach to it a, a bit. And yeah. I just saw the opportunity and um, right now is like obviously um, my uh, off season and I'm like, you know what, let's mix it up a little bit, do something new and, and actually, you know, commit to pursuing that, as you call like dream that I always want, yeah. I, I wanted to pursue and, you know, send in that, that uh, video and now we're here. Yeah. So it, it kind of, I mean, it, it was just an interesting asterisks on your resume that caught everybody's eye it's like wait olympic skier wants to come be an intern <laughs> i remember them telling me i mean you had a great video too yeah. you know um i mean that's the main thing that's what made them watch it and continue watching but then the fact that you know that came in afterwards it was just like oh that's really neat and um but yeah so what other ranching experience have you had outside of what you've done this week so far really not too much um uh, other than what i've seen you guys do and then 
been a, I've been around a few ranches before, but not really worked them. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I've been watching Jordan, and she's been learning. Te- teaching me lots and uh obviously she's very skilled and uh but yeah honestly i'm pretty green but um here to work hard and learn as fast as i can yeah we uh you've been helping feed in the mornings we uh took him out this morning got to get on boone boone got to show him the ropes and then uh went to guacamole on the can-am i don't know if i said but wearing helmets we only we topped out 70 on that dirt road um wearing our seat belts and helmets Payton, my lawyer if you're listening but uh yeah so today you're gonna be getting on a bull hell yeah is that something you've always wanted to do or just went in rome no yes sir you know i've always wanted to get on a bull and uh yeah i kind of like there's a few times i was trying to pursue it and then it just kind of like fell apart whether I got busy or whatnot and then it was also um last few years have been like I was talking with my dad and he's like dude don't touch one of those things until you go to the Olympics like, yeah. oh dang you know, that, you know that's you know I'm like okay well that's pretty fair yeah pretty fair right so went to the Olympics it was awesome and I'm like then I saw that opportunity I'm like you know what no if if if, if I'm going there I am not going to be leaving Without trying Without it. trying it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so we're going to put you on one. I'm going to go ahead and tell you now. He's going to turn back to the right. He's going <laughs> to right. go out one, and then he's going to turn back to the right. So I'm, I'm just going to give you plenty of warning. Um, man, it seems to me that just from hearing you talk about skiing as a sport and uh, as an Olympic sport and thinking about rodeo, um, a lot of similarities, like, you know, it's not a normal organized team sport in the fact that like you rely on your team to complete each play, like, you know, basketball, obviously, or football or, or baseball, you know, it, it, it's very similar to rodeo in that like, it's you against the mountain. It's, it's you against the bull. So, uh, what's it like being on a team like that? Like, cause you still have the accountability, I feel like of like needing to do your job, mm-hmm. but you, you, you also just have to perform. It's you against the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, it is different. You know, when you have, when, when you're a team, but you're still an individual sport. Right. Um, and yeah, you know, it is, it is really important to, to, to do your part and be part of the team. And then, it, you know, once you're in, in the gate or once you're in the shoot, you know, it's at the, at, at, at the end of the day, it's on you and, and you're the one that wants to win. You're the one that wants to be down first or get that good ride. Um, and then with ski cross, it's even like the the um, it's even more so aggressive because sometimes your teammates, the guy next to you in the gate, right? Yeah. And your teammates, the guy that you're like, you got to beat, right? And and you got to beat them at the same time, right? Yeah. So that can be, you know, every once in a while, you know, we get you know, mad at each other and stuff. We think we, but like at, at the end of the day, you're just racing and, um, usually can brush it off pretty quick, but, uh, yeah, I know it is a different, uh, you know, mindset or, um, yeah, it's a lot different than, you know, playing baseball or football where you're 
you win you win as a team and you lose as a team. Well, it's not the case, you know. Yeah. One guy wins, everybody else loses. Right. Yeah, so very similar to rodeo. Like, you know, you'll be traveling with a guy and, you know, you could count that as their team, yep. you know, but you might be going down the road with somebody and uh, you find yourself like competing with that person, you know, that night, you know, sometimes maybe they don't have the, as good an animal drawn as you do, but, but other times it's, you know, one of you is winning first and the other one's winning second yeah. or one of you winning and the other one's bucking off or something like that. So um, with rodeo though, it's it's crazy. I'm not saying there's not any sort of rivalries. I'm not saying there's certain guys that other guys are itching to beat. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, because we go one at a time, we're not actually, you know, I think OMAC, they used to do that, turn them all out at the same time. But uh, <laughs> But we're going one at a time. So what you could see happen it's, is, let's say the bull riding, for instance, um, at the, at the last year's NFR, you know, Sage Kimsey has had a stellar several years in pro rodeo and JB Mooney has had a stellar career in the PBR. And so this is his first time to go to the NFR, even though he's a veteran in the sport. So he's at his first NFR competing. Essentially a lot of people are watching him against Sage. Well, and it may have even happened. I don't remember watching, but like if, if JB's getting ready and Sage is right there and JB needs help, Sage would help him. And the opposite is true. Like if, if, if JB's bull isn't loaded yet, but he's standing on the back of the shoots and Sage needs somebody to pull his rope, like JB's going to do it or he's going to spot him. And matter of fact, like when the gate opens, they're probably going to yell encouragements at each other, you know? Um, and so that's kind of the nature of the sport. And, and like I said, I'm not saying there's some people that don't get along or there's some people that, that get excited about beating someone else that maybe they've, you know, kind of gone head to head with before, but for the most part, there's a certain camaraderie that comes along with it's JB against the bull. It's Sage Kimsey against the bull. And each of them knows that. Like, they're not going to compete against each other unless they make a qualified ride. So if they can't ride this bull, then it's it doesn't matter. So <clears throat> um, that allows us to kind of distract from being so competitive that we can't be friends. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Or, even, like, uh, or even traveling partners. Yeah. Yeah. Same like with us, you know. Like, for the most part, when uh, – for like for the most part, you're not racing your teammates, especially not your first heat. Because you're racing like, the mountain. Well, well, you're, you're, it's more like, um, well, you're racing the mountain, but like just with the amount of guys out of 32, you're probably not, like you might have one other Canadian guy in your first heat. It's like your eighth final, but like, uh, so like everybody's kind of like usually spaced out and you're like, um, so, you, so, so you go and then you're like, you're cheering for your buddy in the next heat. And then, you know, you might meet him in the semifinal and you're like, all right, buddy, you know, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's, let's move on together. And, um, and honestly, like, unless somebody does something dirty to you, like you're st like, and, and like, if they come out and they have a ripper run and they just like, they outskied you, they yeah. had a great run yeah. and you're like, you know, great run, dude. Um, yeah. The only time that it kind of gets like get mad it's like you know if you get cut off or somebody pulls dirty stuff and like it happens a lot for sure 
Right. But um, yeah, you know, if you if you ski respectably and you put down good runs, you get respected. Right. Yeah. It's crazy, like where you might see guys. I think where you see guys who get along the least. Um, who might have contention against each other are, are, are even more like bullfighters. Oh, really? You know, because like kind of everybody's trying to get the job, which they're getting paid. Either the, the stock contractor or the committee is going to pay them to do that job. And so they're not actually technically competing at the rodeo. They're, uh, they're working the rodeo, but they, they might be competing for a job much like, you know, anybody else in the, in the workforce. Well, um, you, you, you get a lot of bullfighters that aren't crazy about other bullfighters that talk about undercutting or, you know, bidding something for not enough money and ruining it for the, everybody else, you know, mm. stuff like that. And, uh, so it's funny that, you know, I, I think, you know, the, there's there's less bullfighters than there are contestants, obviously, but you know per capita, I would say there's probably more like contention between bullfighters than there are like you know competitors in the events. That's but, interesting. Yeah. yeah, that was just kind of a side thought. Like I, I, you just think about certain guys that most guys are happy go lucky. Yeah. You know, most guys are you know good for you if you get it, good good for me if I get it kind of deal. So, but rodeo is. Uh, It'll teach you a lot about life. It'll teach you a lot about relationships, going down the road, you know, something about those miles. And that's, you know, Chris Ledoux's song, It's Not the Years, It's the Miles. And something about those miles will help a guy age a little bit more, a little bit ahead of his time. So how many how many events do you compete in skiing-wise throughout the year? So typically we've been doing somewhere around 14, um, usually by the end of the year drops down to like 12 or so be with um weather cancellations and stuff like that um this next year should be wild they're they're cranking up to 22 22 events wow over, over 14 and actually you would i guess yeah i guess it would be 23 because they have a big pro race at the end of the year but yeah 23 events between um basically the start of november to the end of april or no uh, yeah the end of april wow yeah yeah and like you know, you're on the road um, November 1st, and you're actually probably on, on the road before that because we go over to Europe and train. Um, but, uh, yeah, you spend a lot of time, a lot of time over in, in Europe for the most part for us. Um, to, yeah, for the most part. And then um, kind of on the off season here, we usually do a trip or two somewhere, somewhere into either like the southern hemisphere or um, – like we were just up in uh, Mount Hood in Oregon, skiing up there, uh, great snow, and then uh, or we'll go out early to uh, to the Alps. Have you skied a lot in the U.S.? Recently, uh, no, because of COVID and stuff like that, it's just kind of been shut down. Um, but uh, I've raced in Salt Lake City at Solitude for World Champs, um, and then uh, I've also done a couple races around. Uh, uh, it's uh, Silverton near uh, near De near Denver. And Wh where's uh, the best skiing in the U.S. In your opinion, best skiing in the U.S. Uh, I grew up actually skiing 
Mount Baker because I lived right on the border. Um, that's in Washington. Like you go like from my house, you'd go across the border and you'd be at, at the hill in like a, an hour and a half. But that place gets a lot of snow. A really? lot of snow. Oh yeah, the pow skiing there is is sick. But uh, yeah, you know, like Montana's got some great hills too. You know, Big Sky is is super popular, and Jackson too. But uh, yeah, if you want big pow, you gotta go 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 to the West Coast. Um, growing up in Canada, and I guess that close to a, a ski resort in the U.S., probably a lot of your friends skied. Yes. What is it that set you apart as someone that would eventually go on to the Olympics? Um, it's a tough question, yo. It's uh, I kind of so for me, ski cross is kind of like a newer sport. Um, or or how did you set yourself apart? Okay. I guess I should ask. Sure. All right. So basically. Um, I should kind of give you a quick idea of like the development of how you get into what I'm doing now. So, um, ski cross is an event that you get into when you're like 16 to 18 years old or older. Um, just because like the, you need like a certain development of skiing to get to the point where you can actually race that. Right. Yeah. Um, so like you start out, you race Alpine. So that's where you learn to carve and to turn and to generate speed through turns. And um, if you were interested in getting into ski cross before that, really good idea would be to do alpine and spend a lot of time in the park too. So you're used to hitting big airs, jumps, stuff like that. And, um, you know, just being comfortable being in the air for a long time or being off balance and things like that. And, uh, and then you would get into ski cross and then you're trying to put it all together, right? You got turns, jumps, berms, and then you got to add another aspect. You have three other people with you. And, um, yeah, kind of what set me apart was, um, I grew up skiing for one. And then I also was a pretty high caliber BMX racer when I was a kid, uh, went to the worlds, had, um, the provincial or Western can't, can Canada one plate on my bike for a while. So I was, so I was, so I was used to racing guys. Like I was racing, seven other guys on a dirt track when when i was i guess like probably six to 10 years old 11 years old yeah. so like i kind of grew up that and then also i grew up crashing when you ride bikes right, right. so you there's something to be said for knowing how to hit the ground 100 percent, big time 100 percent. and so big thing for i'm skiing. glad you know that yeah. get, about to get on a bull later <laughs> for sure but um yeah so like longevity in skiing is a big one like because there's I, I mean, you probably find it in bull riding too you know there's some people that it feels like it doesn't matter what they do they're going to get hurt every four months or something like they'll heal up and they get back on and then boom they're hurt again yes sir and some people are just really susceptible to injuries and things like that um and i've always not been one of those people fortunately and so having that you know i've always been moving forward not having to do a whole lot of rehab during the season and stuff i don't i've never missed a season of skiing yes sir ever and um yeah so when i got into ski cross i got in one at the right time it just worked out so like got in went right to the youth olympic games i had very little ski cross experience because i was young and there wasn't a whole lot of depth in the younger ski cross field so i went there i actually did win gold medal there so that was pretty wild and then ever since then, I was on like the Canadian ski cross team, getting funding 
and you know, 16 years old, it wasn't much, but you're getting paid to ski basically. Right. Right. So that was wild. And because I was 17, 18 years old, I was the youngest guy on the team and everybody else was like, you know, early was early twenties on like the development team. And then the older guys were all, you know, 28 to 36 basically. Yeah. Right. So I was getting my ass kicked for the first year and right. a half for sure. And for probably first two years. So I was just getting wrecked by these guys. And so I'm like, okay, well, obviously you need to start doing what they're doing. So when you're losing that much, you're, you end up learning really fast is what I found. And, um, yeah, so I was just, you know, I was skiing. I get a little closer, get a little closer. And then I bit, and I started to beat this guy. Now I'm in the mix, right? Yeah. And then I'm, you know, move in a little, now I'm like mid pack. And I'm just, just, I was competing with those guys. And I was also pretty big then too. So I was a strong kid, young, and I also really had a good feel on my skis. So like I was able to glide really well. So like, honestly, I've, I've never, like if, if you could, you could put anybody in, in the world, I feel like you could put them next to me on a glide track. And unless they're like a world cup downhill skier, yeah, there's no chance. And I bet you I'd get 50% of the downhill skiers. Dang. I don't know. It's just like, um, you know, in downhill too, you know, some guys, they, cause I've never been a good turner, but so, some guys you just put them on skis and they can just, they can just go. Yeah. So my old man was an ag teacher and he would, every year we would go on a ski trip. Um, we would do fundraisers. We'd go on a ski trip every year. We'd go to Eagle's Nest. Yeah. Man, I wish I could remember that man's name at that lodge. We would stay in Eagle's Nest and then we would drive over to Angel Fire. We'd go to Taos. It's in New Mexico and, uh, probably pretty crummy skiing compared to what you're used to, but we would do that every year and, uh, I skied for the most part and then I was switched over to Borden at some point and, um, kept going in college, missed a couple years. And then now I go every year to music fest. Okay. It's in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. They, nice. they, you know, a lot of Texas country bands go up there and play and four day deal and I'll typically board, but anyhow, for most of the years of my life, I get to go once a year for three or four days. I think one time I went twice in a year, maybe one time. But um, it's always pretty fun. And, you know, maybe the third or fourth day on those four-day trips, like about the fourth day, you, you I may not go the whole day. Yeah. And so I've never really had to think about it till just now. But, like, I imagine if you grew up in Canada, grew up close to a ski resort, you're going to the Olympics, there's probably plenty of days where it wasn't fun for you. Yeah. But it was you know. a grind. You know, like, I'm not saying you didn't yeah. want to be there. I'm not saying you're not passionate about it, but like, it, it's not like you go out every day, like you're with your college buddies and it's your first time to ski for a year and you're through, you know, there's probably some days towards the end of the year where it's like, all right, I got to go do this and work at it because I want to go to the Olympics. Not because, you know, while I do enjoy going down the mountain, like, to be honest, I'd rather throw up than go down the mountain right now. Yeah. Like, were there days like that? Oh, you know, for sure. And, like, obviously with rodeo, too, outside sport, unless you're indoor. But, you know, when you grab your skis and the weather is brutal in terms of either it's cold, raining, socked in where you can't see, or things like that, 
and you still got to put, you know, usually we go up with like a few pairs of skis. So you're putting hundred pounds on your back and depending on where you're going, you're going to slog that up to the hill. And then sometimes there's not always lifts. Well, there might be lifts, but like, like this one place that we go in, in Switzerland, you're some, if you're not parked, if you're not staying right next to the hill, you got like, you know, half mile, three quarters of a mile walk with like 70 to hundred pounds on your back. Dang. That is not super comfortable to carry. Get to the hill and you got to carry it all into the tram, go up the next tram, standing the whole way. Then you walk to the next tram and then you get up to this one spot and you got to walk, you know, a quarter, a quarter, like probably, uh, maybe not a quarter, a quarter mile, but like three or 400 yards into the mountain, get on this train, go up there. And by then you're like, you know, <laughs> your shoulders are like done from carrying the skis on your shoulders. You got bruises on your collarbone and, uh, and you're like, okay, now I got to put my boots on. They got cold now, so it's going to hurt my feet. And then you go outside and it's like, you know, if it's a great day, sweet, or yeah, it, it can, it can totally be a grind. You know, the weather can be a, a factor for a big time. You know, if it's minus 30, minus 35, it is really tough to get a good, to get good runs in. Yeah. And, and like, fortunately for me, I usually don't have too much of a problem, like staying warm, but, um, you know, people get frostbite all the time on their toes. I actually had a buddy th this year that, um, you just kind of, it was weird. Like he said, he, um, he got frostbite really bad. Like he was in the hospital for four or five days, almost lost like all his toes. And he, but he, he couldn't really tell like they, they, some guys, they just go numb. And then after they're numb, you don't, you like, you, you don't know. And if you push it a little bit too he much, did lose them almost, Dang. but like he did it in like December and he's just able to leave the house like a month and a half ago. Yeah. What do you mean just able to leave the house? How like, can, why like, would you not be able to leave the like house? It's too cold outside to leave the house. Oh, and if they get even cold, if they it's, get cold yeah, again. It's brutal. So like he, so like, I remember going into his place and I'm like, dude, how are you living like this? Like it's 25 degrees uh, Celsius, but like it was way too hot in the house for me. He's like, man, like this is, this is how it has to be. Dang. So that was wild. But yeah, you know, it's, it can totally be a grind just like anything. And, um, but you know, once you're on track and stuff, it's, once you're on track, it's good. Yeah. You know, but it's, it takes some time to get there sometimes. And you know, yeah, if it's cold, it sucks. Or if it's raining, it sucks. And, um, it's all about put, put in work and getting those miles in. Right. Right. Yeah. So you probably, I mean, there's probably not like a, the stuff we see on Instagram or TikTok, like just people dropping out of helicopters, going down like the steep stuff. Like that's your every day. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't been in a helicopter, actually, but, but I'm watched, saying like yeah. that sort of downhill, like straight off the face stuff that would the kind of stuff stay smith tries to take me on stay smith is a stock contractor like 20 times stock contractor of the year some crazy stuff like that he's he's a, a longtime friend of mine anyhow uh in denver they have during the denver rodeo they'll have the cowboy downhill which is in steamboat springs and he's also been to i've, I've been there at the same time as stace and then also i've been He's come out to Steamboat during the uh, the music fest. Anyways, if you go skiing with this joker, 
both his kids are like professional skiers pretty much. And he will try to take, oh, just come with me. Oh, just come with me. And I found myself on a board on a black straight down, double black diamond, terrified, hanging off the side of this mountain. I feel like that's what you would be like. Yeah, you know, it. Uh, that's, yeah, that's interesting. So, like, so when you see those videos of guys like doing those like just gnarly lines on this big exposed slope and stuff, there's a lot more than just getting up there and doing it. One, if they're helicopter guys and if they're like pros, odds are they have like an avalanche expert at the bottom that has actually dug pits and actually taken like, um, he's checked the snow out. You know, he tells them if it's like, this is the chances of a slide, you know, today probably be fine. Or today it's like he goes and digs the pit and he's like, no, we're not touching this mountain today. Dang. Like the, yeah, once you get in like the so back So you don't just get, skiing, go up there and go. Oh, no. Like, like for us, when we're, when we're training for skiing, for, for like racing, yeah, we don't really have those problems. Um, the ski patrollers will cover it. And, and if we have like a big dump of snow, sometimes they'll hold the lift and they'll do bombing and stuff like that. But like when you watch those guys doing those big backcountry lines and, and stuff, like they are seriously putting their life on, on, on the line. And then also there usually is like a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on. Like avalanches are... I guess it's, there's some horror stories of some guys oh, losing sure. their lives. Oh yeah, lots. You know, it's uh, if if you do that stuff for a while, it's 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 there's a high chance you're gonna get. If you don't know somebody, you know somebody that knows somebody. Yeah, and that's odds kinda, are you know somebody. And odds are you just know somebody. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the same thing with bull riding. We're gonna make a bull riding video. Um, I, I make a I made a video a few times how to get started ranching, and we're gonna make one how to get started riding bulls. And there's a lot of things we're going to talk about equipment, um, practice pins, rodeo schools. And we're going to talk about actual practice pins and rodeo schools that you can go to like addresses, towns that they're in dates, et cetera. So we're going to give a lot of information, but at the beginning, I'm going to do a little disclaimer talking about like, Hey, you could die. Yeah. Oh, you for know, sure. like, like you could, you could die. You could get seriously, seriously injured. And, uh, I'm, I'm going to basically try to talk people out of it. You know, because same thing, when you're in this sport, you either know someone or you know someone that knows someone that died. Yeah. And uh, I know one someone that died, and then I know someone that knows two or three people that have died. And um, and then the other, the sometimes for some people, even scarier part are some of the serious injuries that can occur. Those, those things happen. And, and uh, while it's kind of a morbid thought, it's also reality, you know, and I'd be, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention the fact that it's a possibility. Same thing with skiing. Like, man, you can really mess yourself up, especially like it seems so simple, you know, like it just seems so simple. I remember on a board one year, I was like, I'm just trying to stay up. And I was coming, I was kind of cutting across this downhill deal at an angle just cause I don't want to go straight down. And this old man came and we kind of, we collided and um not really anybody's fault i'm sure he thought it was my fault just because i'm on a board and he's on skis and most of the time skiers hate borders um but this old man broke his arm like snapped it yeah you know and i was gonna go with him but he was like mad at me and i knew it wasn't really just 100 percent my fault like we were both at fault and so like i didn't go with him just because it wasn't gonna be good you know that i did but uh yeah, that was just that was on a green. 
yeah oh for sure like um yeah like even taking avalanches out of the equation trees like oh man like like there's a few spots that 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 we train that you know you have the run and then you have you know a little bit of like groomer chop or like something and then it's just like bungee sticks i like to call yeah and like we've had um one of one one of my teammates have went into the trees before and he he was fought, he he survived but like i think he broke his back dang and it was pretty bad and then like you know i i know of uh racers that have that have died that have hit the trees just free skiing wow not 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 even racing just free skiing you know you hip slide the crash is not bad at all like a basically a hip slide is just like like i said you just like lose your outside skiing you start sliding you kind of lose control and if you do that and you go into the trees, like if you're moving, you're gonna get really messed up, really messed up. Yeah. When daddy goes into the trees, like, like I might just come to a stop because I'm going so slow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> so, but um, unless you're with Stay Smith, which I, whenever he, yeah, anyway. So, what we normally do is we have some sort of like life advice at the end of these but i mean i'm not saying you only have 60 seconds like you can expand on it as much as you'd like but just i don't know maybe keeping in mind what what you know about skiing and now what you the glimpse you've had into rodeo what 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 advice would you give a young up-and-comer in either sport yeah you know all 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 i would say is do you you know do do your research and know what you're getting into and you know, if you have, if you actually have an idea of what, of what you're doing, consequences, and like also how to eliminate those con- consequences. And there's a lot of ways to do it, like we're doing, you know, getting on the buck right and stuff like that. Right. Same with skiing, you know, putting yourself in a situation where injuries are minimal, stuff like that. You know, don't try, try to keep from leaving your comfort zone. Yep. Until, until you're ready to, right? Um, I've, I've been skiing since I was two years old, 23 years old now. And it's, it's, uh, it's easier than walking at this point. Right. So yeah. it takes a long time, bull riding, same thing. It takes a long time and it takes, you know, you got to do it to, uh, to get better. So yeah, you gotta, you know, try not to, to rush into things cause that's how people get hurt. And that's the same thing for like all uh, for ski cross. When we put, put, put people on those big tracks before they're ready they get hurt and they get hurt bad because they just don't know what they're getting into. And yeah. they just, and like I said before, you got to know how to crash. Right. You got to know how to crash. Man, I, I listened, been listening to a lot of Cameron Haynes for a while, but also uh, Goggins. And then last night I was watching that uh, new Adam Sandler movie, Hustle. It's a basketball movie. Um, and he brought up the word they've all three and then somebody else i remember was talking about um just the word obsession obsessed and um i like that word a little more so than just like work ethic yeah you know and the and the context he was using it in last night is obsession beats talent and uh and i guess i i could relate to that 
you know, looking back at my life is just because, you know, anything I ever had, I had to work for, you know. Um, Talent will only get you so far. Exactly. Yeah, you kind of got to obsess about it. I, something tells me if you're in the Olympics, you've obsessed a little. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Willie, what about you? What's your story, man? What's been going on in Willie World? In Willie World? Uh, not much. I've Into been, the mic, please. Sorry, I should have known that. Uh, not much. I've been pretty happy. Just living, yeah. living the dream. In the flea market. In the flea market. You're selling the van. I was thinking about it, yeah. Oh, you're not sure? Oh, no, it's on Marketplace currently. <laughs> so you're you're thinking about it. You put it on Marketplace. Yeah. Somebody's going to have to bring the heat, though. Yeah, someone's going to have to bring the heat. The cash. It's a collectible, you know. It's, it's rare. <laughs> Are you going to buy variable. the deluxe back from me if you sell it? Well, now that you mentioned it, I was thinking about it now. <laughs> yeah. Entertaining he the sees thought. me driving that thing around. He's it's getting like, a little dang, jealous. Did, it, did it make you feel a little jelly? A little peanut butter and jelly watching Reese drive around the, the deluxe? Uh, it really started with these gas prices and then realizing that the deluxe has better gas mileage than the van. Not by much, but a <laughs> little bit. Not by much, but enough to like... To I matter. Mean, $5 a gallon, that's all. Every gallon counts now. Yeah. What is it in Canada? Uh, we're... The tr- conversion would probably be somewhere around definitely over $6 a liter oh, yeah. to six fifty probably. Or so, sorry, $6 a gallon to six fifty. Yeah. Um, But like even... Probably knocking on the door of seven in the city. Yeah. Dang. Well, yeah, like, uh, it's uh, $5 will get you two liters of diesel in Canada right now. Well, Justin and Joe are going to save us, guys. They're going to save us. I think so. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Justin's been there a long time. <laughs> He's been there going on like six years now. Oh, I'm the guy. Up. I'm the guy. I start talking, and you're like, wait a second. Is he telling a joke, or is this a real story? <laughs> and you never know. That's where I like to live, right there. You never Mystery know. Kind of like when you're tipping your chair back, yeah. and you're in that mid spot. You don't know if you're going to fall or if it just feels good. Yeah. That's, that's where the Brisbee zone? That's the Brisbee zone. That's the Brisbee zone right there. Yeah, you've heard about the Mooney zone? Well, that's the Brisbee zone. I like that. I like that. Yeah, me so, too. That's good. Um, <clears throat> what kind of life advice you got, Willie? I'm going to go with um, just keep going. You just got to keep trucking. It's going to be it. Life's going to get hard sometimes, or you're going to have a tough time with stuff. You got to keep trucking. Yeah. God will take care of the rest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say, I, I would say make wise decisions. So, yeah, talking to a friend and they've got a friend that made some bad decisions and those bad decisions are yielding some bad results and they're like, why me? You know, and it's like, man, it's, you kind of got to make good decisions. And then sometimes you make good decisions and, you know, there's still negative things that happen, but um, once you live through those and, and you push through it, I mean, you can't control what you can't control. Um, but you reap what you sow. And so if you continue to make good decisions, eventually they're going to yield positive results. But there's things like the weather and the economy and certain leaders <laughs> making decisions like Justin and Joe that we may not have control over. 
well, there's no use in worrying about that. So let's focus on what we can control, which is the decisions we make. We make choices and our choices make us. And my pastor told me, he said, don't ask yourself. He actually said this in a sermon, but he was talking to me. I was actually listening to it online <laughs> while I was moving some hay in a tractor, but I know he was talking to me. Right. Um, anyway, he said, don't ask yourself, is this right or is this wrong? Ask yourself, is this wise? You know, because you can, you can ask your, when you ask yourself, is this right or is this wrong? The answer could be either one, like, no, it's not wrong, but it could also be not wise. And I've, we've used the analogy here, like a lot of these guys are wanting to be, you know, bull riders. Like there's a lot of things they could do, for instance, with their money that is not wrong. But if they're wanting to ride bulls, then it may not be wise to either because they're going to need money to go down the road. Uh, same thing with workouts or getting on the buck ride. Is it wrong to skip getting on the buck ride on this random Saturday afternoon and they just watch a movie? Well, no, it's not wrong, but it's also not wise. And so I think if you can add up those small wise decisions every single day, then eventually they'll yield positive results. And the problem is is they don't yield those results that quickly. You know, you can see the benefit of being lazy on that Saturday afternoon. Like, all right, well, this is going to be easier to watch this movie and lay on the couch. So you can see the benefit to that. If you get on the buck right on a Saturday afternoon, you can't necessarily, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to ride your bull better. Well, does it prepare you better? Absolutely. If you do it a bunch over time and compounds it, and you get great at the fundamentals, is that going to make you a better bull rider? Absolutely. Give you a better chance of winning a check and putting the gold buckle on your belt that you're aiming to win? Absolutely. But there's no guarantee and you can't see it. And so sometimes when you can't see that thing right in front of you, it makes it hard for people to, uh, to make the wise decision. Well, that's why you've got to have that vision when you can lock in that vision in your brain and you can picture it and you can see it and then you get obsessed about it in a healthy manner where you don't let anything else come in front of it. And then you got to have your, your priorities really tapped in and screwed in tight. So like God, family, you know, these, these certain relationships, I'm not going to put before this gold buckle or this Olympic medal. But if it's not those things, then like, and, and, and there's, you can, I'm sure, I mean, you're interning for Dale Brisby right now. You're an Olympic athlete. Like you're still able to live a life. There's seasons where you got to be, and I mean seasons of life, not seasons of nature and seasons of, of skiing, but there's seasons where you got to be focused in on it and you wouldn't have time to, but you can be obsessed about something and still live a life. So I don't want people to take this word obsession too literal, yeah. you know, where it means that like they can't have a spouse, they can't have a religion, you know, or that is their religion. That's not what I mean. I just mean that like it's more than just something you work hard at. So anyhow, that's been my, there's certain things that come along that, like you said, God has control over and we can only control what we can control. You know, the other day, Tandy cleared me 
to ride again. My collarbone, I had surgery. And I took my time rehabbing it because I broke it three times. Finally had the surgery, and I'm like, I'm going to do it right. Felt strong. Got an x-ray, sent it to Tandy. Tandy's like, you're good, my man. Feeling strong. A uh, couple weeks goes by, and I'm, I'm still in the gym getting better. And I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on next week. And I was like, I'm going to wait one more week, you know, just really do some drills, you know, keep running, do my, do my exercise. And Willie uh, got hung up, jumped in there, work a hang up, grab the tail, jump to push the tail over the top of his hand, hung on to the tail a little too long, bull kicked my leg while I'm over the top of his back with my right arm. When he kicked my leg, it knocked me down. I'm still holding on to the rope. Then he kicks his hind end straight up, pops my shoulder out for the second time. I, I, I dislocated it like six years ago. So anyways, now I'm back out for a little bit. But, I mean, it was like, it's all part of God's plan. Like, I'm not going to not go in there. You know, we buck bulls every day. This is part, it's rodeo. You know what I mean? It's not Willie's fault. It's not anybody's fault. It's just one of those things that, you know, the weather kind of happened that day. It's one of those, matter of fact, it's absolutely my fault. You know, talking to Cody Webster, the GOAT of bullfighting, um, he was like, man, you really got to get, you didn't have your chest up against that bull rope working it. I kind of had, a little too much there's about eight nine inches of distance between that bull and my chest and so if i'd have been up closer to him i would have not gotten stepped on yeah so kind of like offense is the best defense yeah, those, bull, those, bull, those bull uh fighters get like on the bull right and i and i i had jumped up there a couple times like i'm definitely i'm not being timid about it but i'm not as well practiced at it as cody webster the goat you know like i'm I'm definitely, you can tell, like, I've definitely been next to one before, but not, you know, I, d I don't look like a professional. I look like a fellow bull rider trying to work a hang I, don't know. I feel pretty you know? confident getting on anything if you're in there. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. With my limited experience bull riding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very limited, but. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. No, you're doing good. All you guys are doing good, but. Anyhow, that's just one of those little things for me. It was like, all right, God hit pause again, you know? And so it sucks in the immediate. It sucks for like 72 hours after. And then you just realize like, all right, well, this is the path I'm on. And now I can, I can only control what I can control. And so you move forward from there. Anyway, I didn't mean for my life advice to I like take seven and a half minutes for you guys. But um Thank you guys for listening. Please watch out for uh, Reese's story here at Rodeo Time at Winnebago for um, the foreseeable future. He's going to be here for a few weeks, hanging out, learning about ranching, rodeoing. We're going to do some social media talk with him. Please follow him on all things social media. We will uh, drop his, his at in the description of each one of these, whether you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. Um, and then uh, check us out, dalebrisby.com. We got all the new stuff coming in real soon. The stuff I'm wearing, probably got about a, at least a dozen new hat styles coming this summer, later in the summer. 
half a dozen new shirt styles. Actually, probably about a dozen shirt styles too. So we got a lot of new stuff coming in. Some fire. Some fire. Some heaters. Some heaters, heaters coming some, in. Some hitters. some hitters. We got some hitters. Some hitters. Um, so check us out, dalebrisby.com. Uh, do you know how to run that? That um, yeah, it's that um, it's a. Uh, I think it's the top left, maybe. Top left. There it is. All right, we're on to the next one. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Reese, thank you for coming. Thank you very much. <laughs>